0: Hello, legends, and welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club of United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. Cub is your business family, and today I'm literally catching up with family. I'm catching up with my two business partners here at Cub Sydney, Anthony Mullane and Calvin Chilchik. We are going to dive deep into the lessons that we've learned through CUB, uh, share our experience through COVID, share our knowledge and the experiences we've had in building culture creation uh, and building a strong team. The CUB team is everything to me. It really is a family and it's the reason CUB is successful. And so I'm very, very excited to have the team on today. And I'm excited for you all to learn more about us and to learn about our, our experience at CUB. Enjoy the show. And we're live. I'm here today with the boys from Cub, my business partners, Anthony Mullane, uh, aka Ant from Cub, and Calvin Chilchik, aka Cub Calvin. How are you guys? Very well, thanks. Mate. Fantastic. How are you? Very good. I'm very excited. Today's a very special episode. It's our 30th episode, and that's why we've brought in some heavy artillery. Um, today's going to be a very Cub episode. No, we're gonna we're gonna get to know let the listeners get to know us better. Um, and, and talk about our journey through COVID, talk about you know, all the incredible lessons that we're blessed to learn uh, because of what we do at, at Cub. But uh, boys, you're feeling good? <laughs> feeling great. great. And to feeling everyone, great. to everybody watching as well, uh, I'm dressed in my hoodie because I just finished the gym and because it was just the boys coming over, I didn't really need to uh, get dressed up, so I'm still pretty chill. But the conversation is still going to be awesome. Let's get to know Team Cub better. And... Um, Calvin, why don't you go first and um, why don't you, I mean, I know the members will know that you're a legend, but why don't we teach them or explain to them why you're a legend? Where do I start? Start back in the jungle.
1: Yeah. So I, I'm born in uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. Um, obviously a very interesting place to grow up and yeah, I lived there until I was about 14 and and for the most part had a very good childhood. I have really good memories of living there. Um, but there were a few things that happened in my early childhood that I guess sparked the idea for my family to get us out of that country. Um, And the one real big event that happened was when my dad um, was pretty heavily hijacked and it was a pretty pretty rattling experience for him. Um, In South Africa, I guess, a lot of the houses there, because of the dangerous situation that you're living in, um, you've got really big walls and gates and electric fencing and really long driveways as well. Um, and so one morning he was, he was leaving to go to work and me and my brother and my mom were sleeping inside. My sister wasn't born yet. And uh, there were two cars that kind of pulled up in front of the driveway and blocked him off. Um, and they came out all armed with guns, tied him up and kind of you know, smashed him against the car. Um, oh held, the gun, yeah, held the guns against his head and said to him, give me the keys to the house. And yeah, as I said before, me, my brother, my, my mom was sleeping inside. And so they kept hitting him with a gun and, and, and asking him to give them, give them the keys to the house so they could come inside. And often what happens in those scenarios is they'll, you know, they'll rape the woman. They'll, they'll kill the family and they'll take everything in the house. And so at the time, you know, he tells me the story and in his head, he was, he was willing to take the bullet um, in order to not let that happen. His keys to the house were in the briefcase in his boot. Um, and he kept telling them I don't have the keys and they kept probing him and they kept probing him and he had a gun to his head at this point and he just kept telling them I don't have the keys, I don't have the keys.
0: Were they searching for them on him?
1: Yeah, they were searching him, they were searching the car, the the, the briefcase was in the boot and he had his keys in the briefcase so luckily they didn't check there but um, yeah after about 5-10 minutes of this happening he was tied up with the guns to his head. Eventually they looked at him um, and said listen it's your lucky day and they ended up just taking the car and leaving. Um, and I think that was the the real kind of moment where he said, listen, I can't have my family growing up in this environment. I was about seven year old, seven years old at the time. And it took us seven years from that day to actually get out, um, you know, getting the visas sorted, getting everything kind of sorted to, to move to Australia was was a big ordeal. And seven years later, we packed up and left. And so for me... I guess growing up in, in in that type of environment, and then seeing what my family kind of went through in getting us to Australia, and 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 the years after that, after the immigration, um, it really made me grateful for two things. The first being obviously living in a in a country and a city that I feel is the best place in the world to live, um, and I wake up every day feeling that way. Um, but the second thing is is being grateful to my parents. I think that. Really, if I look at it, is the driving force for me because I know what they gave up and I know what they had to go through in order to get us here and give us a life and give us this opportunity. And for me, really, um, every single day it's about making the most of the opportunity I've been given. Do you and think that's, that's your motivation? That's I think why that you is. work so hard. Yeah. you work
0: obviously like an animal. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think I think it's one of the motiva- motivations. Obviously, I'm an uh, I'm an ambitious person and I want to do well in my life. But really, when I see what my family went through to get me out of that country, what they went through after the immigration, the financial pressures that it puts on somebody, the, f- the pressures that it puts onto um, marriage and family and, 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 and the whole kind of situation. Um, I know that they did that for their kids. And so for me, I have to grab that opportunity by the balls and, and, and make the most of it.
0: You know, it's amazing how, how events like that, as terrible as they are, so every bad, bad event can have a positive come out of it. Like if may, perhaps if that didn't happen, your family wouldn't have moved to, um, to, to Australia. They wouldn't have been forced to move, you know. And, and if that didn't happen, you wouldn't be a cub. Absolutely, <laughs>
1: absolutely. And that's why that's exactly, that's exactly the point. I mm. guess at the end of the day, I'm here because of them. I'm here because of that moment and, and other moments. Um, and for me, you've got to take You've got to make the most of these kind of things and, and have a real go. And not take life for granted. Absolutely, absolutely. So you, wh- how old were you when you moved here? Yeah, so I was 14 when we got you. Yeah, so you went straight into high school. Yeah, went to high school in Sydney. Whereabouts? Uh, Mariah College. Yeah. So I've grown up in the eastern suburbs. Again, you know, best best place in the world to grow up. Yeah, it is. Um, and yeah, from there, you know, had a good high school, really enjoyed growing up I- in Sydney. Um, was never much of a, an academia, never really my thing. Um, were you dumb at school or were you just not? I wasn't dumb. I wasn't dumb, but I was, I was, yeah, I was dumb. (laughs) No, I wasn't dumb, but I, I didn't, I didn't really care much for academics. Um, which is, which is not a good thing, but it's just the way that I, that I kind of looked at things. Um, always a very social person, always somebody who very much valued relationships and had a lot of different friendship groups. And after high school, was a bit confused as to whether what I wanted to do in university or if I even wanted to go to university. But I did, um, started studying business at at UTS, um, and a year into my degree, went and 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 studied abroad in America. So I ended up spending six months um, at college in America, which was one of the best experiences of my life. Not much studying got done, but it was <laughs> a, yeah, it was a great experience. And again, got to travel around the states and really you know, build a network over there and, and make a lot of friendship groups around the country, um, which was an amazing experience. Um, and yeah, when I got back from the States...
0: Yeah, where did your career start?
1: Yeah, so, so when I got back from the States, um, that was really when I started to think to myself, I don't know if this university thinks for me, I don't know if this is kind of the, the path that I want to take. Um, at the same time, I had just come back from six months abroad, I didn't have a job, I didn't really know um, what I was going to do with my life and... One night, it was it was New Year's Eve actually, I ran into a friend of mine um, who at the time was a partner um, in a retail business called Toymate um, and I was just chatting to him about my situation and about not, you know, not having a job and not really knowing what to do um, and he said to me, why don't you just come and, and work in one of the stores just until you kind of, you know, find your feet and so I did. Um, so you
0: started at Toymate working in the, just correct. in the store?
1: Yeah, correct. So... I started working in the store at, at uh, Top Ride. Was the store that we worked in, and the head office was in the back of that store. Um, and I worked in the in the in the store just as a as a shop assistant for about three months or so, four months or so. Um, and one night I was I was out again with the with the two owners of the business, and we were on the piss, and we just started talking about you know me potentially doing a bit more and i know the owner of the business who is an exceptional operator and an exceptionally smart guy had a lot of ideas that he wanted to kind of execute on in the business um and he didn't really have someone to do that at the time we then yeah the next day i kind of reached out to him and, and said listen i know we uh i know we had, had a few drinks last night but can we can we actually have a conversation about this so we met up for coffee and he said yeah okay let, let, let's give it a go And moved me into a a head office capacity. And we had a few kind of systems and and, and operational kind of things that he wanted to implement into the business. And he wanted me to be the guy to go help him execute on that. And so um, that was really the first insight I ever got into throwing myself into uncomfortable situations as well. Because I had to go, at this time, we had five stores. I was 21, 22 years old, no experience whatsoever in management management or anything operational. And I had to go to these stores and train up the management staff and the and the team. And you know, there were probably 60, 70 staff across the across the business at the time. And I was the one going and training them up on these systems and these procedures and these these kind of operational operational stuff that he wanted to implement. And from there, yeah, I think um I did a really good job at that. And it kind of just snowballed. I ended up working there for five and a half years. Um, and in the time I was there, we scaled from five stores to 25 stores. Jeez. We went from a, a kind of 350 square meter to 500 square meter model to by the end of it, the biggest store I think was around 2000 square meters. Wow, big business. Yeah. Really big business. Really big business.
0: So at the end of that five and a half years, I guess that's when, when we met, but what were you looking for when you, um, when, when we met, what were you looking for before you came to CUB? <laughs>
1: Yeah. So I I guess throughout my time at Toymate, um, when I, when I arrived there, it was still a growing company. Um, and what that meant was I got to dip my feet across the entire business. I really got to work underneath, um, my boss there at the time, who, as I said, was an exceptionally smart guy and he put a lot of time and effort into me. Um, and I got to hone my skills across an entire business and learn what it kind of looked like to scale something. Um, as time went on, a really big kind of event happened you know in the, in, almost in the middle of my career there which was Toys R Us going bankrupt um, and what that then meant was you know there was a huge opportunity for us as a business to capitalize on that um, and we ended up taking 11 of their shops um, what we also did was we took a lot of their staff um, and a lot of the kind of big players who worked at Toys R Us um, and so what that meant for me was I went from somebody who was really um, yeah, really important and really a driving force in in, in, in scaling the business to somebody um, who had far less experience than the other people um, who were now working in the business. And what ended up happening was I kind of got pigeonholed a bit in an area that I wasn't so fond of. Um, I wasn't able to kind of spread my wings anymore and, and work across the business. And so, yeah, I thought it was um, a good time to, to kind of have that conversation and, and take the next step. And when I left, I was, I was scared because – you know, I dropped out of university at my time at Toymate um, to pursue that job and so I didn't really feel like I had much to fall back on. I didn't feel like I had a degree to fall back on um, and I also didn't feel like I had a niche area in business that I could start applying for jobs because I'd been sp- so spread across different areas.
0: Um, yeah, and you, in fact, you applied for the marketing. That's model. right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Done marketing before.
1: Yeah, very, very ambitious um, move b- on my behalf. But yeah, I think what happened was about a month or so after me leaving, a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, um, who I'm very grateful to today. Um, introduced us. I think you were looking for a CMO at the time. I had dabbled in a in a very small amount of marketing. <laughs> you, you had done Facebook ads once before. <laughs> correct, correct. Um, no, and so sorry, yeah, Facebook, ads yeah, once yeah, before. once. And so yeah, reached out to you and said, listen, you know, this is what I've done. This is where I'm at. You know, can we have a conversation? Um, and so, yeah, from there. Do you remember our first meeting? When, yeah, I do, I do. Was the first one the one when I was just staring at you and not saying anything? Yeah, literally. I mean, <laughs> I, what I always say about you in those scenarios is you give nothing away. So I'm sitting there in this meeting thinking, okay, you know, I've, I've done a little bit. I'm hoping, um, you know, this is going to go well and we're going to connect. But you're just looking at me with this blank <laughs> fucking look on your face. And I had no idea how it actually went down. Um, but yeah, I think we met two or three times after that. And I think. Yeah, we met three times. Yeah. And I think when people ask me the question, what I always say is, is, is the real thing that made sense was, I think you saw that I fit in culturally with the team. Um, and I think that's, you know, now looking back at it, that's something that we always look for.
0: I think on, on my end, it was more Cubby's an entrepreneurial company. We we deal with entrepreneurs and we have to be entrepreneurs. That's who we are. That's the people that work at Cubby's the only way it can work because we need to deal with, with other business people. And it's very hard to find entrepreneurs because there's so few of them. And so when, uh, when you find someone that you're like, this, per- this is a business person, this is someone who, who loves business, this is, this is an owner, you need to – for, for me it was like that, that's what I saw and I was like, no, this person needs to be on our team and we're going to be stronger with, with Calvin on it. So it's funny how everything happens. All started from uh, carjacking in South Africa. That's it.
1: That's <laughs> it. Things come full circle and so – um. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a great experience. Obviously, the last fourteen months or so.
0: Awesome, man! Like, like I said, listeners, I want you, uh, I want everyone to to get to know the face of Cub better than, than we already do. Or if you don't know us at all, uh, get to know us somewhat. Ant Man, Dan, uh, my co-founder, my very dear friend. Uh, I know your story, but why don't we share it with the with the listeners?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, come come from a family of, of small to medium business. My my family's got 139 years of, of community pharmacy ownership. So I spent my my younger years crawling over stock boxes uh, at dad's shop and you know helping him out uh, during the week, and then obviously continuing to do so during university as I graduated school and um, certainly watched him work. Probably a lot harder than than anyone else I'd ever experienced or seen in my entire life. So that was my uh, my first foray or experience into what hard work meant. Um, and I was also very fortunate to see, you know, what, what that enabled him to do for us as a as a family growing up. So I consider myself very fortunate um, to have you know such a great role model in life. Uh, Went to went to boarding school in. Well, we grew up
0: in the same area too. We went to primary school together. We did. Important to know.
2: Yeah, we did. We we went to primary school together. um, Went off to to separate uh, boarding schools in a similar area, and um, then I went off to university here in Sydney, and and you went off to university over in Paris. Um, I studied a a bachelor of property economics, which I, I finished, and then went into the the commercial property industry. So. Um, started out, uh, won the graduate role at, at a company called Savills who are sort of a big four property firm um, where I did a, a big rotation through uh, all of the, the respective business lines, um, you know, doing leasing, sales, investment, um, valuations, property management uh, in a commercial sense and then left that business um, to go across to, to one of actually the world's largest industrial property fund, Goodman Group. Um, and I spent two years there uh, in asset management looking after a portfolio in Western Sydney of industrial assets, totaling about $2.3 billion worth of assets, uh, looking after alongside the portfolio manager, you know, the renewal of the leases for for some of our tenants who were, you know, the likes of Woolies and um, at one stage we had Amazon uh, They were coming into the fold uh, during our, our management of that particular portfolio. Portfolio. So typically large sort of blue chip clients in big box uh, warehouses, you know, between right from, you know, 2,000 square meters up to some of them, you know, 100,000 square meters, these things were the size of a football field. I spent about two years at Goodman and I learned a lot about, a uh, bulletproof process. Greg Goodman, who's the, the founder and CEO there, is known for, for being uh, extraordinarily uh, uncompromising on process. And that's probably why he's built such a brilliant business. Um, and I actually went back to back to the dark side, back to agency, because i I've always had more of an entrepreneurial flair. And in, in a company like Goodman, while it's, it's a fantastic organization, one of the best in the world, uh, I didn't feel that it allowed me enough finesse, enough room to move uh, in my role. So... I went into the industrial property brokerage space again back to savile so i did the boomerang um i went back to a a very good man called darren curry who was the director of that division and this is where i learned probably the other side of of what i see one of my biggest strengths is the ability for for relentless hustle now the world of commercial real estate brokerage is it's tough you know basically if you you come on board you got to prove yourself yeah, um, it's, it's just get out get out in the car go start having coffees pound the pavement Get to know people, you know, minimum 50, 100 so, phone calls a day.
0: So where were you when when I gave you a call and was like, hey, you want to come work with me at Gap?
2: I was I was in I was in uh, just starting year three uh, in my career in industrial brokerage at Savills, and uh, and you gave me a call and you said, hey, mate, you know, I've got do you this. remember what I said? I can't remember. At that time, he sort of said, look, this is what I'm doing. I need good people. I need people that I know and that I can trust to to help me build it. And I think. You know, we've always wanted to do something together. So why don't you come across and, and, uh, and help me do it. We're actually sitting in this very room in its old form pre the most yeah, recent renovation. Yeah, there. Um, Also, to your point before, Calvin, very lit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was about to I say you like. must be been out <laughs> of your fucking mind. I
2: mean, that's when I come up
0: with the best ideas. <laughs> There's and, really uh, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I don't know, one great artist never did anything sober.
2: yeah, hundred percent. and 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 you know we'd been we'd been talking for a while, I think probably six months or so. and uh, and I decided, you know what? A, we've always wanted to do something together. B. I've always wanted to to be in business for myself. like I, I watch many members of my family do and see who better person to do it with than than my best mate and my brother. So um that's how we landed. And uh, you know, since that that point in time, I think, you know, we what six or six or eight months in. We've now we've gone from one to two clubhouses. We've got close to a thousand members across Sydney and Melbourne and you know probably what I consider to be one of the best teams um, in the country uh, in terms of performance and culture.
0: We have the best team in the country. All the members get angry at me for saying that all the time, but <laughs> it's true and it took a long time to get there. It's actually the next thing I want to talk about is our team. And I think the team got good because what we do is a what our job is is to create culture through community. And we obviously focus a lot on that on our team. The team's the only reason that we we're doing so well is because we've got a good team. I can tell you, when Cab had a shit team, the company was doing shit. It just was, and it was a lot harder. When the team's amazing, honestly, anything could happen to us right now. And. I mean, would any of you guys ever feel like, "Oh shit, we can't handle that"? I couldn't imagine any situation that would happen that exactly. I I wouldn't be confident that we we, we would we would handle that. And that, that comes down to the team. And and to your point, with the trust thing, that's that's crucial. You you know, trust in the team is the most important. At that point in time, I I didn't really know anyone outside of you know where you, where I grew up. And uh, like we said, me and Ant had been very close friends in h- primary school and high school. Actually, our first business together was a hoodie company. Do you remember that? Strapped. (laughs) Strapped. Strapped apparel. We never, ever, ever started it. But (laughs) but we did did make the hoodies, remember? We made the patterns and shit. We did. That was the first company we ever ever attempted together. Then we got distracted playing ping pong and we (laughs) stopped doing that. But it's very important for, I think, the listeners to know how we've come together. Calvin literally was searching for the next big thing in his life and a friend put us in touch. Uh, I think referrals are the best way to, to, to bring people together because you know someone you like, they like someone else, they probably have quite similar morals or ethics or, or, or whatever it may be, culture fit. Um, and, and obviously we grew up together in this same suburb. So, and the rest of our team is, is equally equally is mm-hmm. amazing but what do you think it is that makes the team good why do you think we have a good team i even also think i was telling laura the other day even this year i feel like our team really elevated even higher Agree.
1: yeah i think i think there's a few things i think a we're all just high performing people we all hold ourselves to a very high standard and so if one drops because other people are, are carrying on to to, to hold themselves to that kind of level, it doesn't allow for you to drop. I know, you know, if I'm ever having a kind of a tough month or a month where I might be getting a little bit lazy and I see this guy working like a madman, yeah. that says to me, like, get your level back up. You Stop can't you can't loop. slack, you can't slack. So that's one. But I think, two, the thing that I've always loved about being this team is that we're all in similar or the same kind of um, phases in our career. We've all kind of had similar backgrounds. We've all been in business, um, a similar... Similar amount of time. And so what that's what that does is it means that nobody's ever patronizing everybody else. Nobody's ever looking down at anybody else. And I think we all have a lot of respect for what each other have done in the past and what we keep doing. And to me, um, that, that that's a big kind of factor in the way that we all drive forward together. And I think we're all very bought into what we're trying to achieve as well.
0: That's a very interesting point. We're all in the same stage of life. And what I think that, that's a big point of difference for us uh, with any other kind of leadership group. All the other leadership groups um, are run by retired people, obviously much older people than ourselves. You know, people who just want to dabble into something and, you know, they, were surround, they want to surround themselves with business and might be a bit bored. Yep. Whereas – so they haven't got huge ambition. They may have already achieved their ambitions. They may have – you know, they, they don't. Whereas we're just fucking hungry. Oh, and we're, we've we're just like, started. Yeah, we're, we've we're just animals. Started. We'll, yeah. we'll work as many hours a day as possible because – we're trying to build something for our lives, and and our whole team is like that. The entire team, and whether that be a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. But that works for us, and I, and I think it, it helps us point the arrow in the right direction a lot easier.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know? And I think it's also it, it's it's really obvious as well when somebody comes in and doesn't fit that yeah, mold. Yeah. They
0: get booted out. Yeah, by it just, just. What do you reckon? It.
2: Yeah, it's it's what um, makes the team. Why why is the team so, so good? Top. What do we do? I, I think I think having it governed by principles, which we do very well, um, is a massive, massive uh, contributor to our success. Just makes what you do on a day-to-day basis, you know, there's no questions, right? If, if someone needs support, you're gonna be there for them. To Calvin's point before, you know, if you, if you know that you're maybe not underperforming, but you're maybe not trying to excel to the maximum extent of your potential, You'll, you'll feel it. You'll know mm. it. You'll know that, you know, you're not going that extra mile and then, you know, something will tick over and, and you'll push forward. But Explain think, the principles more. So we've got three team principles. Um, Which that, we stole from the Ray Dalio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but actually well, one of them is now different and they are belief, ownership and support. So... You know, even when time gets tough, I think belief is is probably the principle that's most relevant mm-hmm. there to mm-hmm. to continue to believe that what you are going to do is going to work and, and believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. You're and capable. Believe in that the hard work is is going to pay. Ownership. You know, everyone has a role to perform. Um, no company can function if everyone's trying to do everything. So those parts of the company that you you own, take ownership over yeah, them, you're the deliver boss. them. Um, and the other one is support. You know, and it's such a it's such a simple thing in it, but it's such a a fantastic way to, to improve and enhance company culture. And that is, you know, if you can help someone within reason, do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. and very the family, it's the,
0: that's our family, the principle, family value, which the is family. the thing we help, we hold highest above everything. And I, I want to talk about family in a sec, but also the way we enforce those principles, I think it's really cool. And we didn't steal that from anywhere. I came up with that one day. I don't even know why it, many of the members know, but for the listeners our team has a culture meeting every Thursday and I don't know why we call it the culture meeting. I think it was because originally, oh, yeah, it was to enforce culture. Mm. And every person on the team, uh, one by one, chooses a boss for the week. Now, boss stands for obviously belief, ownership, and support, so our principles. It also just works out well with a cool word. But, <laughs> so everyone chooses a boss for the week. So like Calvin might say, Daniel's my boss for the week because he gave me great support in helping me achieve this or whatever. Anthony might say, Alice is my boss for, uh, boss for the week because um, – what's an example of stuff she does? Because of her own reading, Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she does it all. And, and everyone claps and it, it's just an all, it's actually my favorite day of the week Thursday because we have culture meeting. And it also on a weekly basis shows, it's kind of like a fun game, but it also like, it makes people feel good. You know when you get – like yeah. last week when I got heaps of bosses, I thought I had a shit week. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to get anyone's boss. And I got like four. I was like, yes.
1: I think it also makes you thoughtful about what the other people in the team are doing because I know for myself, like I won't just rock up on a Thursday morning and just spit bullshit. No. I'll think about it the night before and yeah, I'll think 100%. about what everybody's brought to the table that week. Yeah. And I think it's good to take the focus off yourself and, and and you know, be mindful of what everybody else in the team is doing as well because yeah. it's equally as important. I Definitely.
2: agree. And, and, you know, for – if it's not your boss but it's someone else's boss and they're bringing to light Maybe someone in the team that you haven't interacted with over that week, and then yes. you get to hear the amazing shit that yeah. they've done, and you go, "Fuck, yeah, they always haven't that's to impressive." You yeah. know, I didn't even know that that person was up to that, but yeah. good on them.
0: Yeah, it's also cool. Yeah, exactly that. It's like when Holly chose Mark because he calls every day to keep yeah. her company 100%. in lockdown, yeah. in, in and Melbourne. we haven't in seen lockdown. him for three
2: yeah, months. We- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> here we are thinking he's on a <laughs> fucking cruise or something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and the other thing that we should do more in those culture meetings, which it's on the meeting agenda, but we never, well, we don't never do it, but we we don't do it every time is the brand training before mm. we go into the culture. I think this is important. We need to be reciting more of like, okay, where's what's the vision? What's our goal? What's our purpose? What's it, you know, it just keeps it fresh, keeps everyone on the same, no doubt. on the same page. I think the listeners should do that. But team, the principles, our principles are great and they've helped us dramatically. But I think what we do best above all, if I was to sum Cub up in one word, Without a doubt, that word would be family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what we sell. That's what we do. We're a business family. We sell belonging to entrepreneurs and we provide them with a community, a family that is going to help them go through this uh, entrepreneurial journey. The same way, ideally, your family would help you get through your life journey Where that uh, specifically for And I think that just um, – I think that that family culture – the reason it's strong with the members is because it's so strong in the team. Like Laura, for example, who's from Germany. We've got Alice from Adelaide. And both of them have said to me that Cubby's my family in Australia. You know what I mean, You And, and to, for people to get to that point where they're so comfortable with the people they're with every day and they just love them so much and they do anything for them, that means we're doing something to create mm-hmm. that. I don't know what yeah. we're doing because all we do is hang out all day. Yeah. But we're doing something that is causing – that, that special, And I think when your team feels like they belong, right, they feel like I, I belong here, I'm important here, people love to feel valued. Right? Sorry, they need to feel valued, but they love to feel special. And I think all of our team always feels valued and we make them feel special because we're celebrating every Thursday in, in BOSS, we're celebrating everyone's wins and we clap. Even in the middle of the clubhouse where there's members there, we're clapping. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't give a fuck, we want our team to feel happy. I think they lie. I think the members love seeing that I as well. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a healthy team. Yeah. It's yeah. a healthy team. But a uh, team's so important. And, and I mean, we've also, if you think about it, the team is a bit more organic than the way we've created the culture for the members. Because creating a good culture is what creates a good, I guess, working environment or, or any community. You could have a family and you could have someone putting poisonous things into the family. You know what I mean? It creates a bad culture. We We've also not mastered, but I'd say we're, we're very good at it, at systemizing and structuring, sh- uh, having a structure towards creating culture, and 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 that's what we've really put for the members. Yeah, right. I, I guess sorry, we've done that for the team too, because the culture meeting is an example. <laughs>
1: yeah, of that. well, I I think that any business is reflective of the people that are running the business, um, in terms of the culture, and so it's it's as you say, I think. What we do as a team and the culture that we've built as a team will seep down into the rest of the business and into the community. 100%. And I think that's that's very much
0: happened. And do you think there's things that I do that help the culture particularly or, or it's just a team thing?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I, I've seen you go leaps and bounds outside of, you know, what would be considered normal for the, the CEO of a company to connect with and, you know, even to the point of ensuring uh, stability in people's personal lives outside of work. And that shows, you know, a true strength of character, but it shows that what you're talking about here with family that you're truly invested in. Right? Mm. A family member doesn't just help someone at work and make sure they do their job well. They want to make sure that outside of work they're feeling okay.
0: That's and, a very, very good point. And also yeah, if someone's unhappy outside of work, they're not it's going to translate. 100%. No doubt. It's going to translate. But, and, and, and you know what else we do? Another structure we have in place that uh, I think helped helped our culture a lot. I, it's definitely helped me a lot get to know how everyone's doing at work and at home is the one-on-one meetings. Yeah, 100%. I think
1: those are fantastic.
0: I, I, I Explain to the li- listeners what, what they are and how we do it. Yeah,
1: so I guess every it's probably every month or so, Yeah, uh, every maybe or, six or, weeks. Or whenever we feel
0: something yeah. really big's is happening, yeah. we need to do it more often, like COVID and shit. Yeah,
1: any, anything of that nature, you'll book a one-on-one with each of us and it's kind of just to catch up, to see – you know, have a candid conversation about how you're feeling, um, where you feel you are in the business, where you want to go. Um, and I think it just it just realigns everybody and sets us straight from time to time because obviously, you know, it, it is a kind of manic business and there's a lot going on all the time. Um, and to have those one-on-ones and, and just to realign us and to continue to move in the right direction is, is hugely important. It's not something that I've ever kind of experienced before, um, but I think it is it, it is hugely beneficial.
0: And they're very casual, no? Like we don't really have an agenda or shit. Oh, completely We normally casual. just hang out yeah. and sit down and say what's happening.
1: 100%, completely casual. I and like it's great. That, and I think, as you said, at the end of the day, we're all we're all also friends. We're yeah. very close as friends and as people. So I think that yeah. allows us to have
0: those more candid conversations as well. Um, Where do you think that – because we are all very, very good friends. In fact, I would say that the whole team all – especially right now – some of my best friends. Mm-hmm. Right. Um I I even to the point of family. I, I genuinely love the team. But you know, is that a good or a bad thing? You know, they always talk about that, like, where's the line? I I mean, I think in our type of business, there is no fucking line because because this is what we sell. We sell family. How could you how could you put a line in that?
1: I think that the underlying thing that keeps it healthy is the fact that we all have huge amounts of respect for each other. I and think – and, and, and that comes from the ambition. I think if if there wasn't the underlying respect and trust that everybody does their job, mm. um, that wouldn't allow us to be friends. And I think because we have that respect for each other, it allows us to then be friends and know that everybody within the team is going to pull their weight regardless.
2: I agree. And the other the other big thing, you know, and it comes to your, your point on respect, Calvin, is um, I put down actually on, on the, the sheet of paper that you had me fill out prior to this – My favorite quote, and it's from Paul Ramsey, who's one of Australia's best and greatest entrepreneurs, founder of Ramsey Healthcare. His whole mantra is tough on issues, soft on people. You know, you gotta, of course there are are gonna be issues in the business that you have to address and you know, whether it be uh, performance or, or progression or all these sorts of things, but you're still a human being speaking to another human being, someone that you respect greatly. So whilst you can address issues, it's done respectfully. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mm. done in a manner in which you're you're tackling the issue, but you're not, you know, you're not in a in a um, an altercation with the person in front of you. It's a discussion. Mm. It's a meaningful discussion, and and um, and progress is is made after you agree on a path forward. I fully agree with that. But I also love love my favorite days
0: other than Thursdays. Uh, our quarterly meeting days. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. it. 100%. I feel like Passionate we go to people. battle with quarterly yeah. meetings. Yeah, like, and, and I construct, like, we don't argue, but we're definitely screaming. Yeah. It's yeah. it's almost <laughs>
1: like, you know, the guy, you see the guys in a UFC fight and they just kind of smash each other all, all, all fights and then <laughs> yeah. they get to get afterwards yeah, and give each other, each other <laughs> a big hug. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> kind of exactly like that.
0: What it's like. <laughs> I'd be John Jones. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the ability to, Challenge each other, scream at each other, like, but also still do it in a positive way Mm -hmm. and a respectful way. I think it just shows that everyone's um, passionate about it. Everyone wants the best, yeah. And we don't really say no, you're wrong this way. You, we say okay, well, tell me why you're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean. I also think the way we do the quarterly meetings now, over the two half days and then celebrate at the end, is way better because it keeps our brains fresher. And what I loved that we did last time last quarterly meeting was that we had the screaming day, you know, when we were just all um, debating our mm-hmm. points mm-hmm. about everything. Mind you, there were a lot to debate because it was COVID and all the stuff was going on. So we all had a lot of you know, things we wanted to talk about. But then the next day we went home, we, we you know, we thought about it all. We kind of put everyone's things together. And the next day we came back and we said, okay, here's the plan. This is This is what we debated. Mm-hmm. This is the middle. This is kind of where we think – we should sit and everyone was really on board with that. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, like, I like that. I, I, I would encourage more businesses to have quarterly meetings like that and then go celebrate after. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love that. I love when yeah. we go to lunch and get it <laughs> That's my favourite. And, I mean, that's very much a, a lot of our team. Mm-hmm. All right, we've got an incredible team and it's the most important thing in business. What about our members? What about the culture with the members? How would you describe that, Ant?
2: It is, when it's done right, uh, very much one of family. As well, when it's done right, I love that. When mm-hmm. it's done right, yeah. To your point before, Calvin, a lot of it seeped down for the observing uh, what we've done as a team. But I think a lot of what we've done as a team, and we've sought great success in, we've then tried to systemize and implement across the broader broader community. Again, when it's done
1: right, I think any. I think the thing that I see the most in an idealistic sense with our members is is it a give and take scenario. Yep. You want people who are coming in. I guess to give without expectation of anything in return, and you often see that the people who give the most, um, without that expectation of anything in return, are the people who end up getting the most back. Um, and I think, I think really that 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 to me is is, is kind of what our members are all
0: about. And I think that when you like Cubs, are a very special place. We're not used to it because we're there all the time. But you imagine any other time ever that you would walk into a fucking room with that many people. Well, now, not that many, but because we're doing the smaller things, but let's say you walk in a room of people you don't know and people are so comfortable that they would hug each other. Mm-hmm. Or they, You know, they, they, they shake hands, they just go straight in conversation, mm-hmm. have a big mm-hmm. laugh. It's like they already know each other. That's special. No, that's You don't see that anywhere else. That's only Cub. Yeah. I've never seen that before in my entire life and I have been a lot of places. Yeah. And now, it's very
1: cap. I 100% agree. I think when I was looking at the the, the questions that we got sent beforehand on, on, on the prep sheet, um, one of the questions were, I guess, success stories within the community. And to me, you know, and I, and I know this is probably something that we'll touch on later, but to me, yes, there's huge success stories and people doing business together and there's huge success stories and advice that's been given. But without a question, the most rewarding thing, for me is exactly what you just said. When you see people that you've brought into the community and you walk in and they're hugging each other and they're having a coffee together, they're having a beer together, or they've gone for lunch together um, on their own accord off the back of
0: us bringing them together, that
1: to me is the most rewarding part of the job.
0: That's when Cub is at its best. When we've done our job correct is when we don't have to do our job. Mm-hmm. When the members become the me- become us, they become the membership sure. managers. They are connecting each other. They are helping and supporting each other. It has nothing to do with us. Mm-hmm. The best thing we could do is turn every member into a membership manager, mm-hmm. into someone who helps everyone like the same way we do. That's our mission. That's our goal is to, is to create that. And of course have an incredibly high quality of accomplished entrepreneur, mm-hmm. not just in business, but also in in oh, values and ethics, agree. and um, um it, it, it's it's quite sophisticated the way we do it. It might be simple, but we choose w- when someone's joining Cub, they know who they're going to be meeting. Mm-hmm. So they know you can't even join unless you're an accomplished entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You can't even join. You can't get in, right? So there's a very there's a barrier to entrance, right? And we meet everyone. Mm-hmm. We approve everyone. Mm-hmm. Right? If we think this person's here for the wrong reasons or we don't like them because they. Uh, may have a poisonous culture attitude, well, you're not coming in, mm-hmm. All right? So it's a barrier to entrance. It's very important because they're coming in knowing, okay, I'm going to meet really good, nice, successful people. The second thing is that we induct them. We basically teach them this is how to pick up. This is what's expected of you as a member and these are the rules and this is our culture. and And if you don't tell people, if you don't help them learn – the way of a community. Every community has like a culture. Mm-hmm. So it's like some families you'll go and it's fine for everyone to eat wherever they're not at the table or some families they eat at the table but uh, you know, everyone's allowed to eat like with their mouths open. You know, There's different rules in different little communities. There's different expectations. At Cub, we have that. And we have to really, really explain it because we've got a lot of – it's a huge family. Mm-hmm. It's almost a 1,000 people family. And – everyone somehow needs to remember what the purpose of it is and how to, how they should be, I guess, behaving in regards to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've gotten exceptionally good at, at teaching that I feel. And like our induction process is great. The welcome evening, when we explain that all to them, we give them their Seven. welcome booklets, yeah, their induction booklets and we go through it and, and we've got our rules and we've got our principles as a culture, uh, as a community, and we've got our uh, direction. They know where we're going. So everyone's working towards the same thing because we focus on it so much. I think that's a really big reason why we, sh- uh, why the culture is so good. I feel where we could improve is by rewarding is like how we do boss weekly. We mm-hmm. should have that for members mm-hmm. b- very often, which I think we're going to start doing in call we're going to start having most valuable member, the MVM of the, of the quarter. So each group chooses their MVM. I think that would be a great way to do it. Uh, The other thing that we need to do is we need to tell more stories of success from Cal. Yeah, I agree. We don't do that. Right. We've got the best members. We induct them incredibly. Right. But once they're in, we need to be more like we need to do more things to, to constantly improve the culture. The culture is fantastic. In fact, there's, I highly doubt there's any other community in the country, especially business community, the, the culture of cup, it would be so rare at our, at our size. Mm-hmm. It would it, it would have to be non-existent. Okay. Um, But we could do even better. We could do more rewarding people for, for being good people, being cup. We could do more of the stories, right? More, you know, share more stories that happen between members. Cause often um, like I'll hear a success story And then I'll be, oh shit, I could do that as well. Like that's, that's an example of a way to benefit, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And I think, I think just showcasing them a bit more in in general, because I guess we, we are lucky enough to have a platform where all the people within our community trust our opinion on things as well Mm. and trust kind of the stuff that we put out there. And so when you showcase members, um, that, that gives a level of credibility in the club um and i think that's definitely something that we can do better as well
2: 100 on the point of culture um there as well a lot of the success stories are not just business transactions taking place they're actually examples of the culture being done at its peak. You'll be a member that went and helped another member with no expectation of anything in return, Mm. that then three months later ended up doing business with that member because they built the relationship through that support. So showcasing those sorts of things, um, while it's great to see, yeah, you know, members are doing business and they're having wins, oftentimes it's a great showcase of what it means to be a part of CUB as well. I think that's actually what a lot of people are
0: shocked by when they first join. Like a lot of people say to me, oh, this is probably bad marketing on our behalf, but a lot of people say to me, "Oh, you know, I was, I wasn't sure when I was going to join, uh, what it was going to be like when I was when I was joining, what not. You know, what it looks like on the outside is very different to what it mm-hmm. is on the inside." Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually, had, I had this conversation not too long ago with Sonia, one of our members, a fantastic member, uh, and she said to me that it was when she when she was inside it, she realized, "Oh, whoa, this is." This is special. This isn't just like our networking. And what she was saying was, and I think what people don't realize is that what members want because of what we, you know, design and because of our induction process, what they're looking for first is not a personal gain. They're looking to build a valuable relationship, mm-hmm. a meaningful Correct. relationship. Because if you have a meaningful relationship with someone, you actually like them. This person is your friend. You care about them then you're going to go above and beyond for mm-hmm. each other. You're going to go out of your way to help that person. You're going to refer to that person. You're going to share knowledge with that person. You're going to have dinner and have a relationship with that person. And that's what members try to do. And the members who do that the best are the ones who get the most value because 100%. they suddenly have this huge <clears throat> friendship circle of super successful people, all of whom want to help them because they're a good person. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. who which members do we not renew? We don't renew the members who don't do that. We don't we we don't invite to renew. So for the listeners, we invite members to renew after their first year of membership. After that, we know they're good, so they stay forever. But after their first year, we in, we we invite them to renew only if they've they were a correct culture fit for our club. They use it correctly. But who don't we? And who also get the least value from Cub? People who come in and try to sell straight away. Yeah, yep. all the members are like, "What is this guy doing here? Yeah, get out! Like you're not supposed to be here." And yep. when you try to sell too quickly, too hard. You look desperate. you look like I need this, I need this sale because my business is not going well and I need to justify or make it cost a membership or whatever it may be. You look weak. It's like when you're trying to date someone, you look desperate. They don't want you. they mm-hmm. want someone harder to get. Mm-hmm.
1: It's funny, it's funny because sometimes you see i I, I almost have some empathy um, for certain people when they come in and they don't really understand the full culture of, of the club itself. And, and, and you can see how somebody would come into a place with thousand members and think, okay, great, this is a great opportunity for me to sell and get some business. But the best kind of the best scenarios that I ever find are when you see people coming in with a little bit of that, looking through that lens and straight off the flip side of, of doing a welcome evening or going on their first lunch or whatever it might be, they completely change their perspective and things and they start to understand, okay, this is a lot more than that and I've, I've got a lot more to gain through this. Um, and when you see people kind of flip that switch in their head, it's it's, it's quite a special thing as well.
2: Yeah, because that does happen. Yeah,
1: a lot of the time, yeah.
2: yeah. I think they – they uh, it not only changes from, you know, is this a client acquisition or a marketing tool, but from this is something I'm going to have a go at for a year to – Okay, I understand this now. This is a yeah. three or a five-year journey yes. of, of building long-term, mutually beneficial, meaningful relationships. They're no longer looking for a quick win, mm-hmm. right? They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're invested mm-hmm. um, in, in the club and its people. The members who are the most Cub spread Cub
0: throughout the community. You know, The new members see these members. They've been around for so long. They just know mm-hmm. the community and the culture so well. They're basically like us. They, they spread that. So the more people you can get to really embrace that culture and community, who evidently are the ones who benefit the most because of it. Yep. They spread that to the to the new members, and it, it becomes this incredible ecosystem. and And we're so blessed to have. We're constantly surrounded by people smarter than, much smarter than mm-hmm. us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Much more accomplished than us, and uh, they teach us so much. Honestly, Cubs like being a cub, whether it be working there like us or being a member. It's like accelerated business school absolutely it's like, it's, it's like Disneyland for business leaders. yeah
1: it's insane i mean i guess when i look at when i look at where i was 14 months ago um yes i had done you know some pretty cool stuff at toy mate for the for the five years that i was there but i always felt like i was almost in the shadows a little bit because i had two guys working above me who were such exceptional operators and i, I never really knew if i you know i kind of i kind of doubted whether i I had the ability to do things on my own or if i was kind of sitting in their shadows a lot of the time um and coming out of that my confidence was nowhere close to where it is now i think surrounding yourself with people um like we have in the club and, and 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 starting to have those people actually want to listen to you and hear your opinion and 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 ask your opinion um, it accelerates your growth, and it accelerates it accelerates your confidence to the nth degree. And I think that is a huge, huge benefit of a working in the club, but b also just being part of the club and being a member as well.
0: So, so do you feel much stronger now having having been? It's, it's not even
1: been, close. Yeah. It's not even close. It's not. Yeah. It's um. And that's uh, the power of community. Yeah. That's the no, power. That's the power of community. But it's also the power of surrounding yourself, as to your point, surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you. You walk in day in, day out, and you're with people who are exceptionally successful. Um, that drags you along.
0: That's the power of the club. That's what we sell. That's 100%. why members
1: join. 100%.
0: I mean, and, and imagine like the entrepreneurial journey sucks most of the time, right? Especially at the start. It's hard. It's supposed to be hard. If it was easy, everyone would do it. That's why it's hard. And that's why the rewards are big at the end. Oh yeah. You know, when you start doing well, if it was easy, everyone would do it. But there's so few people who get to that position There's so few people who even want to get to that position first of all. So it's not for everyone But of the ones it is that that do want it. So few of them actually get there to that level of great success. And which means that, well, who's going to help me of my friends and family and all this type of thing, my current communities, who's going to help me a grow. And probably more importantly, not fuck up what I've already grown, Mm -hmm. not lose what I've got. And and that's the power of having a strong a, a, a strong community, mm-hmm. specific for the reason of business, because you could have great friendship community who give you something else. You could have an incredible family who give you something else. But the power of community in communities in general in your life is 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 crucial. You need it. Mm-hmm. You need for business. You need a, a, a business community, a group of people who are gonna who are gonna make you better. We're gonna challenge you, you can speak to, um, who will deflect a lot of the bad things away from your family too, because you, know, you don't wanna stress them out. And you need a f- strong friends, strong family, a strong business community, CUB, right? It's so important. Oh, and we're not the only business, we're the best, but we're not the only one. You know what I mean? You can go, there. I mean, before CUB existed, we're only five years old. Before we existed, people had been building networks for hundreds of years, thousands of years, it's been happening. The only difference was back then it would take you decades of a successful career to have a great network and by that point you've already, you know, you might be finishing up. Or if you did have a network, it would be very small. You'd be hard to meet other people. It's very time-consuming. Where do I even meet these people? There's so few of them. How do I find them? Who do I trust? I don't really know what's going on. It's very hard. So building a community is very, very hard. And that's why I, I love sports because when you're passionate about golf, or cycling, I spoke about this in the podcast the other day with uh, Herman, right? When you're passionate about something, you go to those people and you build relationships with those people because you share a common passion. Mm-hmm. His was obviously cycling, mm-hmm. right? And that's how he met his business partner. Whereas all we're doing, it's like Cubs, we're like a sport. Business is like a sport, you know? Bring more money in than you send out. And Cub just gives, it's like a team. It's like, okay, I'm passionate about business, that's my passion. Where can I go to meet other people that are passionate about business, also accomplished in business? Well, I go to Cub. There's nowhere else that you can do that. That's the simplicity and that's the necessity of, of community. You need community. Whether it be, Forget Cub, whether it be that, just any community. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need it. And the benefits that come, human beings are social creatures. You need each other. You don't just want each other. It's a need. You need each other. If you're not with each other, you're going to die. That's what your body's telling you because – Back in caveman days, if you are alone, that big-ass lion's going to take your head off. We need the whole team. Mm-hmm. It's not a question of it. You, you It's a must. Mm-hmm. And therefore, people need to make sure that you've got a community. We're stronger together than we are apart. It's just a fact. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's what we do. We just do it for the passion of business because mm-hmm. we love entrepreneurs and we're passionate about it. And it's good fucking fun. They're good people. It is good fun. 100%. And what are your opinions on who to have in your network. You know what I mean? Like, because some people say, oh, no, I only need people with, uh, in this industry because uh, these are the people I work with. Yeah. yeah is that the way you should go? Or Absolutely how you, not. How do you build a good Absolutely network? What's not. a good network?
1: Obviously, as you guys know, and just for the listeners, when we bring somebody on, we do a networking profile with that person. So we try and build the context around the membership a little bit and, and try and find out the types of relationships that they'll be looking to make why would you narrow in on something specific when you've got such a broad network of people who have been through the same journey or are going through the same journey to me that's what you need to surround yourself with you need to surround yourself with as many people as possible who are who are, who are striving towards the same goal um and people who have done it before you so people who are more experienced than you and i think the serendipitous moments that come out of kind of building a network that strong and that broad Um, The benefit that you get out of that far outweighs niching in on specific types of people. So when I'm talking to a new member, that's the kind of lens that I always try and make them look through. Because to me, that's how you benefit through any network. I think it's good to have it down on paper. But again, what I always say is what's more important to me is my relationship with you, Mm -hmm. with that specific member, um, my understanding of you and your business going forward. And I think, you know, if you open yourself up to meeting as many people as possible, you're going to benefit, no question. 100%, 100%.
0: What do you
2: reckon? Well, coming back to, you know, the culture within the club um, and the culture of any community, you know, if you're a sophisticated enough a person to genuinely show real interest in someone and actually find out the same way, that a little bit like the same thing that we're doing here today um, and ask them questions about them and themselves and where they've come from and the sort of people that they know and that they've interacted with in the past – Often you'll find a way to help them, or that you'll find a way in which they might be able to help you. Um, So, you know, just being a genuinely inquisitive uh, and interested person, just might someone might be someone's EA for God's sake, but it might turn out that, you know, their brother in law Mm -hmm. is the head of your potential biggest client. Right? And if you mm. were to dismiss them um, and say, hey, look, that person's not good enough to be a part of my network because they're, you know, they're not running a business at this point in time, you've just lost yourself, you know, a potentially 100%. great connection. So yeah. it's
0: just being a good person. It's it's, being it's, a good and it's person serendipity. I mean, how up. many how many times yeah. a day do
1: you hear me use that word? Yeah. Serendipity. That's what it's all about. No Surround yourself by good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Know what it, means.
0: it
1: It means that it basically means the the likelihood of something happening, um, by chance. Mm. So, so you know, you surround yourself with good people, you put yourself at a table with other good operators. Um, there can be a serendipitous moment that happens there where, you know, to Anne's point, some guy knows some guy knows some guy who can really help you out and, and end up being your biggest client or sell your business or whatever it might be, refer your huge business. You don't know what you don't know. So why not surround yourself with this, the best kind of opportunity as possible?
0: And I also think that really, it all comes down to the relationship, right? And they can be all different relationships. But first of all, a relationship needs to be give and take. It needs to be mutually beneficial. It's like a marriage. If only one person's winning from the marriage, it's not going to last very long. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any relationship, if you have business partners, right? if it's not mutually beneficial, well, that's not going to last very long. And even uh, like your network, you need mutually beneficial relationships. Now, there doesn't need to be like, a structured way to benefit each other and all that type of thing. There just needs to be the willingness to help someone else. And and I think that a good way to think about growing your network, forget type of business, forget industry, forget all that type of stuff because the network of your network is much bigger than -hmm. than you. So they they, they might have people in their network that would be more specifically potential clients and things like that. But you just want to surround yourself with other people who are on the same path as you, Mm -hmm. right, who have the same goals as you. And you work towards the same thing because you're going to have very similar challenges and you're going to need those people there. Different industries is amazing because you broaden your knowledge of business. Different businesses operate differently. And if you are learning the way a different industry operates with their marketing, their operations, their business modeling, um, everything, you could implement something into your business. There may be something relevant that you could implement into your business that your competitors don't do because Mm it is – from another industry. So industry diversity, uh, diversity is, is really, really good. And I also think the important one everyone forgets is, really, can you see yourself getting along with them? Mm-hmm. Then they're probably a good person having your network, doesn't matter yeah. who they are. Because Agreed. you're friends with your friends because you get along, you're similar people. That's why, that's why friends come and go as well. Because you, you, know, you, change, you change life courses, yeah, you might be younger through a party phase and you might get married and your friends change. and you might, you know, so Friends come and go because they're mutually beneficial at that time. So I think that people should be looking, is this person, do I get along with them? Because right? if you don't get along with them, you don't enjoy being with mm-hmm. them. You're never really going to be, you might help each other because you're both club members, if you're in club type of thing, right? Okay, yeah, we will help each other because that's the culture of our club and because it's frowned upon not to help each other. So they may, but realistically, long-term, what we want to achieve is that they have a strong independent network, yep. right? That, that, that these people really care about them. And that it, it involves you finding people that you get along with, that you enjoy being with, that you like. You genuinely like the, this person. And they may be different ages, sexes, stages of business, whatever. It doesn't matter, right? As long as you have that friendship with them, that's the most important thing because mm-hmm. you're going to help your friend. So everyone needs to remember, if you're going to build a network, make it diverse, make it people on the same path as you, and they've got to be your friend. 100%. You've got to like them.
2: And, 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 you know, touching back to one of the points that we was the foundation of, of the start of this conversation, trust. Yeah. If it's someone's your friend and you feel like you share the same principles and core values as them, you're going to trust them, which means you are, you know, business, there's business is high risk. You know, you're dealing sometimes with large amounts of money. You're dealing with the future livelihood of your staff and, and your clientele. You're going to want to deal with someone that you trust, even if, for argument's sake, there's a slightly bigger or slightly better positioned company um, that might be able to service your needs slightly better than than uh, than than your friend or that person that you trust. If you trust them um, and you truly believe that they're going to deliver for you, that's going to be the determinant. Yeah, and they'll go above and beyond business. for you. Yeah. They'll do their best. Mm-hmm. Trust is the most important thing.
0: That's why family—you trust them. Hundred and ten percent. And obviously, we've had a very funny year this year. <laughs> I reckon it's the best year of Cubs ever had period. Is. It technically 100%. is the best year yeah. in almost all France, but it also is the most difficult or has been the most difficult. It's been hard, it's been stressful.
2: It's been stressful. It's been stressful, but yeah.
1: it's all it's I guess it's all about the perspective you take on it and we've had a good time because we've dealt with it head on. Yeah. It's still it has been a, a, a difficult, yeah.
2: Uh, I actually think that you know I'm been at the company since since the very beginning, and, and I, I think you would maybe agree, Dan, um, due to the progress that we've made, predominantly again due to the, the brilliant team members that we've had with us for the last 12 or 18 months in particular, that for me, whilst there was a huge challenge in, in overcoming COVID-19, which I thought we did really well, it hasn't appeared or felt that hard.
0: I think it's important to have the right perspective. So what are the lessons
2: that we've learned uh,
0: through Cub in, in COVID, remember when? Remember the start? It Feels like ages ago. Remember when we all sat down and I had the big talk with everyone? Yeah, that
1: was a that was a that was an interesting day. Yeah, it was, I think it's a
0: scary day. And we weren't letting Calvin sit next to us <laughs> because he looked
1: <laughs> a bit COVID-ish. Yeah, yeah. yeah Bondi boy.
2: For me, um, and again, this probably comes from from knowing the business um, very very well, um, having been a part of it since it's you know more or less inception. I, I knew I knew that something for us, um, and I said this to you, you can confirm, we needed something like this to happen for us to take the steps that we needed to take for this business to become the best that it could be. And mm-hmm. I genuinely believe that. I said it as the day lockdown happened, I said this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to this company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still truly believe it, that it was. Yeah. I truly believe that it I was. I think that one thing we
0: did at the start and then we did it again halfway through, when there was the fear of the second lockdown, just before Melbourne got locked down, was that we were open, we were honest, and we we we, we put trust in, into the team. Remember when we, oh, not trust, reassurance. Remember when we sat down and I said to everyone, I said, uh, guys, this is gonna suck. Mm-hmm. This year's not gonna be easy, right? But remember at the start of the year, I told it's gonna be the best year of our lives, and I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still said, I'm still going for that. Mm-hmm. So I still, it is, still is going to be, right? But I said, it's going to suck. It's going to be hard. I said, that's what makes it good. If it was easy, everyone would do it. And I said that no matter what, this is our goal. Remember we had a goal. Mm -hmm. Our goal was that at the end of this, we're all here. Mm -hmm. We're all still here and we're stronger than ever. That was our goal. And because we had that goal, we were able then to to sacrifice, to pivot. We were able to do things because everyone felt safe. No one was worried. Oh. And uh, none of the team was thinking, oh, no, my job's at risk. Or the, 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 everyone was Everyone was just like, okay, well, that's the goal. That's the plan. And we're happy to do anything we need to do to get there. And really it was two months maybe of um, when we first started selling digitally and serving digitally. You know, th- they were the first two months of well, catching our feet. Maybe yeah. it was a bit of a struggle kind of because, you know, when anything new happens, the brain gets more tired. Ooh. Remember I was telling everyone, finish work early, finish at three, just go sleep, hang out. But after that, we all adjusted, we got used to it, right? We had pivoted obviously, so we served everyone digitally. We sold everyone digitally. We still sold a ton of memberships. Um, And two months after, we were just so much better off. The team was back to normal. Everyone was so happy. Calvin told me he was the happiest he's ever been. (laughs) Um, And and I think that having that initial goal and that honest conversation and giving everyone the reassurance that we're all still here and that we're going to be better than ever, was the start of what allowed us to yeah. to accomplish that. I think
1: it also really solidified everybody's belief in what we do and belief in the product because as you just said, throughout the whole time we continue to commercialize, we continue to keep the community together. And I think that's a testament to what we're trying to achieve and to what we are. And so for for, for the whole team to go through that and to see that happening, you know, to speak for myself, my belief in the product is, is just skyrocketed. Not to say that it wasn't high before, but I think when you start to see people continue to join and continue to kind of crave what we have, um, regardless of the situation, that makes your belief in the product skyrocket. And then that reflects in everything
0: else that you do. Literally had this conversation. Me and Anthony had this conversation with Paul Miller the other day. For the listeners, Paul Miller is our member and founding partner at Deutsch Miller Law Firm. He said, to, he said to us at lunch the other day, this is cub's never been more like relevant he's mm-hmm. like he in a time where we've lost the ability to 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 socialize with anyone to meet anyone new to do any sort of business development to to do anything to mm-hmm. come together in any way cub's the only way we're mm-hmm. able to do that now he's like it's yeah. it's amazing he's like I'm more engaged because and, and also when he said that he's the second member that said that to me two members said that to me last week and when he said that I was like I I knew it. I remember at the start of this whole thing, I, I said recessions and things like that. We're going to be okay. And I was obviously just bluffing because I didn't really know, but, but it's because people need people and they're stronger together. You're better off sticking with a strong group of people, right? In a hard time that your family's more important in the difficult times than it is in the, mm-hmm. in the easy times. Mm-hmm. And look what's happening. They're all come together. They all help each other. They're still doing business together. They will refer yeah. to refer each other. They're helping each other with offices. they it's crazy.
1: And I think the great the, the great thing about that as well in a, more, in a more practical sense was that, I mean, especially during the lockdown period, there were a lot of eyeballs on everybody. There were a lot of eyeballs on LinkedIn. There were a lot of eyeballs in social media. And I think our entire outward market were watching the things that we were doing inwardly. Um, and I really felt over that period our brand credibility grew. Skyrocketed. Skyrocketed. But remember it, I said yeah.
0: go ballistic on LinkedIn. I said post four times a day who gives a fuck everyone's bored at home they want to see what we're doing we need to show strength when everyone else is showing and and it it very
1: much happened and it's paid dividends and i think you can tell now in the conversations that we're having um the people that have watched us over the last kind of six months they just they just hold us in a much higher regard and are much more open and interested in having the conversation as a result of that
2: Mm. absolutely and and just the you know, the recognition that, that came from, from some of our, you know, most astute and highly successful and established members, uh, you know, that are typically uh, be quiet, they hang around the fringes, they watch what we're doing that, that came out to us and said, you know, you, you've galvanised not only my membership for life but speaking to a lot of your other members, you've galvanised them for life, the, yeah. the way in which you've conducted yeah. yourself throughout this period. So, you know, the, the brand within the brand, our own it's community, stronger. the way that they look at us… Um, after, after you know, coming together throughout that, that three months lockdown is, is, is exceptional.
0: It's because people want to be a part of the winning team. Yep. It's why franchises that wins franchise value goes up because mm-hmm. they're winning. Mm. People want to win. They want to be part of the winning team, not the losing team. right? Cubs the winning team because we push so hard for it and because the people on our team, our members, they push so hard for it. And even, of course, there's some people that they can't control how it's affected their business, right? Obviously, our members in travel and uh, yep. whatever, whatever uh, hospitality and all these things. Yep. But they're still on the winning team with a lot of people who are willing to help them, a lot of people that are, can catch them when they fall. People want to be on the winning team. And we went so hard with communication to the members. Yep. We, could, we contacted every member every week mm-hmm. for a month, not that long, but it's enough at that first point just to make sure, hey, UK, can we help you with anything? We went so hard on LinkedIn. The team communication skyrocketed. We had two meetings a day with the entire team, Sydney and Melbourne. Think about the benefits that we've had from Cup. We started running Sydney and Melbourne as one company, mm-hmm. together with one team. Best thing we ever did, ever. Mm-hmm. We increased our team communication heavily. The team has never been more bonded than this. Yep. Also, the team has faith, faith in each other now because they've all seen. It, they've, we've gone to war together. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like we've gone to the NBA playoffs, and we're winning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you've gone to war together. You trust that person to be by your side when you're at battle. Mm-hmm. So the team is just so much stronger. Communication is so much better. Member uh, culture is so much better. Our brand inc- improved because we showed that strength. We, we And we screamed it off the rooftops. We, sa- we said, look what we're doing. Of course we pivoted, right? But that's showing strength. Mm-hmm. We, we did a great job pivoting, but that's showing strength. And we did it way before. Remember I said to you guys, People who are going to wait are going to be the ones who die. So let's, let's do it before we even have to. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that was probably the biggest thing ever was that our business model got better. Mm-hmm. We looked at the model. We said, what's important? Piss off everything that's not. All those costs, right? See you later. We don't need you. And we never need you back again. So even as we ride the economic wave back up, those costs are never coming back. Yep. Right? We got better at doing what we do. And that's none of that would have happened without COVID. And think about our personal improvements. Mm-hmm. Like, look at Alice mm-hmm. or oh, Laura. Laura never even didn't even know what a podcast was until we started this podcast. She pumped out
2: thirty episodes. Out thirty, episodes. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest episodes anyone's ever heard. This yeah. is
0: without a doubt one of the best business podcasts in the country. Laura had no idea how to edit, do anything with a podcast, and now we've got this incredible show. Right, Alice, she learned how to manage the entire community so much better than she ever was before because she had to. We had to be in more communication. We had to be more engaged. We had to put on – we had some, some weeks we had like 20-something digital events. Mm-hmm. That's outrageous. Mm-hmm. Right? My point is that it's the difficult times when you grow the most. 100%. And if you have the right attitude, which we did, you're going to grow. Well, at the end, when you come through the tunnel and you get to the end – You've got a much bigger market than ever before. Everyone's like, wow, that is the winning team. That's where I'm going to go. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you buy Meriton apartments, right? Because you know Triggerboff is going to build that thing on time and it's Mm -hmm. going to work and there's not going to be the defects. Mm -hmm. That's why Meriton can charge a premium for a a basic apartment Mm -hmm. as opposed to another builder who... Developer, sorry, who? Oh, I might buy it. It might look good. It Might be a better price, but I get there. My door handle falls off. You know, the, the building's got uh, leaks coming through it. it. It was two months late. You know what I mean? You're buying because okay, I, I trust that place. Mm-hmm. That's a strong place. Even in the bad times, hard times, I, I'm going to go to that place. It's safe to go to Meriton to buy a Meriton apartment. That's a good investment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? Hundred percent. That, and that's what you've proved coming through COVID. It doesn't matter if you get smaller. It doesn't matter if you get weaker at some points. But the fact that you went in swinging, you didn't give up. And, everyone's, and if people see that, they're thinking, shit, this is where I want to be. This is the winning team. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and to, your, and to your point as well from a personal point of view uh, and a personal growth standpoint, I think especially in our stages in our career, which is, which is quite early on, it's a good thing to take a kick in the teeth you need, need to. that to happen in order to grow. So, to take a real kick in the teeth and see something, you know, to this to this degree happening, um, it's something that's going to hold us in good stead going forward without a doubt. Shit, yeah.
0: You need I honestly was it's it's these it's you need a reason to to work sometimes, a bigger reason to to push harder. You know, it's kind of like when you go to the gym, you go by yourself, you try and you have a good session, but you didn't like you can you can walk still when you leave but you get a PT and because that bigger reason, there's something there that's forcing you to just go as hard as you can. You just go so much harder, mm. you know? And, and COVID just, it, it almost, I was getting bored before it a bit. I wasn't working that hard. When COVID came, we were all, I'm speaking for myself because obviously I'm talking about myself, but I'm sure we all did. I actually had a rule. Like, it was like, you had to show what you have. It's like, mm. it gave you me the opportunity and us the opportunity to show what we're made out of, to show how good we can be, to prove it to ourselves and and obviously to the world. But but that's how it needs to be. Seen. It gave it gave me a. Re- now again, I'm a bit bored, so I'm helping Alice do data entry, and <laughs> I'm doing her data entry for a community assistant. So she can do the important. <laughs> things, yeah. It's my new job title. I'm happy doing that though. Yeah. It doesn't bother me because because of how good we as a team did. And 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 to the listeners, we're not going on a raving about cover at the moment. I guess the point I'm trying to make is. Why our team was able to go through COVID and and, and do well and what we've learned through COVID and what the benefits can be of COVID. And by COVID, I mean any bad time. Right? Any bad time. Increase your communication, right? Make sure your team has the goal. They know they're gonna be there. They they know what's happening, that it's transparent. Because the team is gonna bond more than ever. It gives you the opportunity to Improve your business model. Cut the stupid costs that you always thought were important but really aren't in the really, really bad times. Um, And and show your strength. Demonstrate it to the world. Get more active on your marketing and your – it doesn't even have to be paid marketing. We don't even have paid marketing, Mm. right? Just on your LinkedIn's and your socials and things like that. Get active in more communication towards your your, uh, client base. Show them how strong you are. Show them how good you're doing and show them that you're doing something in a difficult time. When you get out of it, you'll be so much better off for it. Brett Kelly, uh, founder of Kelly and Partners, uh, a, a huge publicly listed accounting firm, he said to me, one of the <laughs> biggest keys in business is survival, right? Whoever keeps their business for as long as possible is the person who makes who, who's, who's going to make the most money. And the reason he was putting the, – the context he was putting is uh, – The rich list thirty years ago to now, and and who was still on it? It You're saying the people still on it, the people still own their companies. They didn't, their company didn't die, and they didn't sell it. And that that's that's imagine how much we're going to learn after the next recession Mm -hmm. and the next one. And at the end, you just got so much knowledge, and you know your business so well that it's bulletproof. You can't nothing, nothing can, nothing can happen. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so those are those are I guess our thoughts on on COVID and what we did to. Not, not prosper, but just to to do well uh, in COVID, and, and I guess what does that mean for our future? You know, what's the future of Cap? What do you think, Ant? Where are we
2: heading? We're going to be the the largest and, and highest quality community of Aussie entrepreneurs and leaders um, in the country. And that's that's where I see it. So I mean, we're definitely. I would say that we already are there. Yeah. However. We want to maybe put that on a. Make it really obvious. Yeah, put it on a few steroids and yeah. pump it up. Yeah. Um, now, what does that involve? I think certainly, you know, we've discussed uh, another clubhouse here in Sydney and probably another one down in Melbourne and probably one up in Brisbane as well once we've, we're able to travel back across the border. Um, but also, definitely see us uh, expanding the footprint of, of what Cub is. Right now, we're a, we're a members club and we're a community, but there's a lot more. Um, that you know that we can provide to, to the Australian business community by way of services, and, and I think we'll, we'll do so. Expand that service line.
1: agree. Oh, what yeah. do you reckon, Kelly? I think he summed it up pretty nicely. I think, yeah, the biggest thing that we can do and the biggest thing that we can achieve is to have every single par- every single person who's part of the community, be an advocate for what we do. Um, right. I think if we can achieve that, then the you know the opportunities are endless. I
0: actually think that Australia needs. A community for, for business owners, for business leaders. There are some communities for, you know, your sole traders and, and smaller um, business. Uh, and then there's your communities that represent the big CEOs and big business. But there's this big hole for the entrepreneurs, for those, the next generation of big business, those running fast growing companies who want to meet others in the same position that are heading in the same direction. And I think that we've really mastered, I don't wanna say mastered, but we've really gotten very good at doing what we're doing. We know how to grow the community with quality people and we know how to make sure they stay for a long, long time. We know how to make sure they build valuable relationships. Now I think we need to, we need to do that more. We need to, we need to, we need to scale, we need to spread because I mean, the goal is that every entrepreneur in the country eventually has a touch point with Cub. They say, Cub, that's my brand. That's where I belong. Mm-hmm. I'm passionate about business. Even the people who don't have businesses yet, but they're ambitious and they want business, they say, that is my brand. Cub stands for me. Mm-hmm. It represents me. They're fighting for me. They want to improve my entrepreneurial journey, All right? And to do that, we're going to have to, we're going to have to get a bit bigger. hmm uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Which we will. Fuck off, we will. We're just going to make sure we keep our, keep that family, that family culture. All right, guys we got to wrap up because Laura's um, Laura's telling me to. So as I do with all the other guests, I will do with you. Can each of you leave us with one thought, quote, or lesson uh, that you think is going to be important for the listeners to to hear?
1: Yeah. So, so I read a book once called Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Um, and I think that's the book that has kind of had the biggest impact on my life. Um, And really what the the kind of premise of that lesson is, is to to take ownership and take accountability of every single aspect of your life. Um, And I think when things go wrong or mistakes happen um, and you take ownership of that and you take accountability and you work on a solution to move forward, um, then things will always pan out and I think people will always respect you. I fully Uh, agree. Yes.
0: And I've always, you know, we speak about this a lot. I I always preach that ownership's good because – no matter what goes wrong, if you say, okay, I could have somehow fixed that, if you blame yourself, which sounds bad, but if you do blame yourself, you learn the lesson for next time of, you kind of hold yourself accountable and you learn that lesson. If, if it was someone else's fault, it's because you put that person in the position to make the Absolutely. decision and maybe that was, that was your fault.
1: And I think in those scenarios, if you the, the, the very worst thing that you can do is start to make excuses and shy away from the fact that it was your mistake.
0: Losers blame the world for what happens to so them. Winners do not blame the world. They blame themselves and then they go fix the world. That's
1: it. And so, yeah, for me, that's something that I try and very much take on every single day, um, and I think that's the, that's the biggest lesson that I've taken away over over my time in, in business and in life. Absolutely. Amen?
2: Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with a lesson, uh, and it probably ties back into Paul Ramsey's quote that I mentioned before, um, tough on issues, soft on people, uh, and it's a lesson that was was conveyed to us by our very good friend, our club member, uh, Adrian Hondras. Um, in the very early days, you know, we were – we were looking for a bit of guidance on leadership and uh, Hondo sent us across some, uh, some emails that were given to him or sent to him upon announcement of his leaving uh, CBA Private Bank, which he was the head of at the time. And he sort of said, look for the common theme. And uh, the common theme was that there were people right from the, the highest point in that organization right down to, you know, receptionist, EA to the, um, you know, the new guy. Um, And all of them said the same thing. They said, you always took the time to address me by name, often sometimes when I didn't remember yours. Uh, You took the time to find out, you know, what the most challenging and um, least challenging parts of my day were and how you could make that easier. And, you know, you took the time to show me that what I was doing mattered to you, even though you were a direct report to, you know, the the CEO of, of, of the largest financial institution in Australia. Um, so I think that's that's probably very important. Um, you know, don't forget that the the beast that you're driving is is the people um, within that beast mm. at all levels, and it takes uh, you know their 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 respect for you and um, your compassion towards them um, for it to be steered effectively. I think that's probably the biggest lesson that I've learned is you know don't forget the human side of things.
0: He's such a good man, Hondo. isn't he? He's mm. Such a great man. His episode. Was a couple of episodes ago. It was so good. Mm-hmm. If you haven't listened to Adrian Hondros episode, go listen to it. Guys, thank you so much. That was awesome. Let's make this a regular thing. We'll make it like a bonus episode. Instead of doing one episode a week, like sometimes we'll have like a bonus team episode where we'll just come and talk yeah, some stuff. Yeah, you
1: got us warmed up now. Yeah, now you guys yeah. are <laughs> cool. You look
0: good. Um, to the listeners, I hope you enjoyed the show. We loved making it for you. Um, and I hope that the lessons from Cub could be useful to your business in some sort of way. If you want to find out more about Cub and you are not yet a member, then you need to get a lot smarter and reach out. Uh, You can reach out to uh, either Calvin Chilchik or Anthony Mullane, uh, or even myself on LinkedIn. Um, You can reach out through the website, cub.club. We would love to hear from you. Like you know, we stand for entrepreneurs and we are your business family. So please, please feel free to reach out. Thank you.